0: Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast. I'm Carrie Stevens, your host today, and I'm here with Dr. Elizabeth Potter, a board certified plastic surgeon in Austin, Texas, who specializes in breast reconstruction. And I really wanted to talk to Dr. Potter because she's been very vocal about advocating for insurance coverage of the deep flap procedure where skin, fat and blood vessels are harvested from a woman's abdomen to create new breasts and breast reconstruction. So Dr. Potter, thank you for joining me today. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm thrilled, too. So just to start, I found you because um, I had a preventative double mastectomy in 2020 and I have been part of the Breasties community and was really taken aback when I found out that, you know, women's access to deep procedure for breast reconstruction was being threatened because I've talked about in the podcast before, but I really want my implants out in the next few years, and would love to have a deep procedure. And you know, I know for a lot of women that have had breast reconstruction, whether it's preventative or you know from breast cancer, that's that's a procedure they want because if they they're afraid to have implants, they you know, implant illness is all over the news, and you know, they still want to have breasts. So can we, can you just start to talk about exactly what happened with the CMS coding for deep procedures?
1: Absolutely, and um, you know, I think as someone who's been doing breast reconstruction as the cornerstone of my professional life for over a decade, um, the issues that you bring up, issues of wanting an implant and not wanting an implant, um, really wanting to have choice those things have been at the center of my practice for years, so I've always been really tuned in to what patients around the country in different areas are are presented with as options and what they're nudged towards, and what's what's really available, what's truly available in a community, right? So you know, the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act guarantees that an insurance company has to cover your reconstruction if they cover your mastectomy, but it doesn't really guarantee access and access is practically when you go to the doctor in your community, can you find someone who's willing to perform natural tissue, deep flap breast reconstruction for you in your community, or is it just implants? Same thing for aesthetic flat closure, real access is what are you faced with when you go to see your doctors and your team in your community? So, and that's something that I've been thinking about since I finished fellowship at MD Anderson, right? I chose not to stay in academics. I chose to go into private practice because I saw a need for high level microsurgery, breast reconstruction in communities outside of big academic centers where it really has always existed. So I, you know, I was following along carefully when I I got a newsletter from uh, something called the Coding Corner. It sounds like a you know, like a middle school newsletter, um, and in this coding corner for plastic surgeons, it was just a little blurb, and the blurb a couple of years ago just said, sort of announced quietly that the code that we use when we submit to an insurance company and ask, "Can I do this surgery for Mrs. Jones?" Um, they say what surgery, and we say S two o six eight, and that's that translates into that's a, I want to do a deep flap. Well, they changed. And they said we're not going to honor that code anymore. We're going to only honor the old code that describes everything, every possible type of breast reconstruction using your own tissue. And and the problem is that that code really was invented when we were doing barbaric procedures that remove a patient's muscle. So you know, reading the tea leaves, when I saw that little blurb, I started to get nervous because if I can't demonstrate to an insurance company that I'm doing a better surgery, um, that I'm doing the right surgery for my patient, I knew that they were just going to, they wanted to pay one rate. They wanted to pay the lesser rate for all breast reconstruction. And so that was the first time I heard of it. Since then, I've gotten an education in coding and I know that this has been going on for more than a decade, sort of laying the groundwork for this change to come. But it was um, it was alarming, and um, yeah, I reached out right away to uh,
0: to folks at my society and asked for help. Well, I have to say thank you as a mastectomy patient. I I know there's been a really large community of women that are behind this, and I'm just really because I know as a patient, I mean, I'm you know, you're coming from the doctor's perspective, I'm coming from the patient's perspective. It's like maybe you don't want implants. I mean, let's talk about that. Like a lot of women don't, you know? And I think, I, I think that there's definitely, I hate to say maybe misogyny there. I don't know, what would you say?
1: Listen, I, I think that as a female microsurgeon, that for most of my career, I have been dealing with misogyny. The male gaze in plastic surgery is very real and implants have been at the center of that. And while that may not be a popular view, among um, the majority of plastic surgeons, I feel that intensely as a female with my own experiences, you know, wanting to feel good about my body and trying to find people to talk to me about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, we have a problem in plastic surgery and we're trying to evolve and there, there's a huge component of female plastic surgeons now that are they're pushing that in a healthy and more empowered direction. But even as soon as or as recently as like 12 years ago, when I was in conferences and they would describe plastic surgery outcomes, the terminology and the tone of describing women's bodies in a medical setting was offensive. That was at the top plastic surgery program in the country. So we had a long way to go in a short amount of time. It's not hard to be better than that, though. You can make really clear, direct steps forward just towards respect and empowerment and not tolerating conversations that are belittling of women and that seek to put us in boxes.
0: Well, and I want to get into more of the deep. Why is access to deep so important in a reconstruction field?
1: Well, I think that there's a couple of reasons. One is simply choice. It's it's so important for patients to have choice. It's important that at a time when patients are facing surgery to prevent or treat breast cancer. And so much power is sort of being taken away that there's power given back when you get to choose what your body is going to be like in the future. Right. And I think it's really important that that that's not up for debate. These surgeries are not cosmetic surgeries. We settled that and put that to bed in 1998. That is done and dusted. Okay. So if anyone wants to visit that, I would just refer you to the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act and then meet me when you've absorbed that material.
0: No, I appreciate you doing that again. I mean, you know, I've even felt people have said, oh, you know, when I had a mastectomy, oh my gosh, a free boob job. It was like this, it was, you know, and and there's nothing that makes me matter, but I definitely heard that, you know, or you're so lucky. Like, I mean, you know, I nursed my kids. Oh, you get to get new pairs. And it's like, it's just so not true. I mean, going through a mastectomy for a woman is... It was awful, and I feel like the fact that you know they were trying, CMS was trying basically to take these, you know, the the choice away from women. When you know, I I know a lot of women don't want implants, and I think we I think that needs to be more of a conversation because it's just well, let's just give them breast implants. Oh, you're getting new breasts. I mean, listen, breast implants,
1: they're, yeah, breast implants are not normal. They're not normal. But even when you think about just, you know, since the 1970s, right? This is a short period of time that we have been placing implants into women to achieve a certain body type. And that's, you know, cosmetically, as well as for reconstruction, this is not normal. And I think when you think about your lifetime, we we sort of are fooled, we're deceived into thinking that this is something we've been doing forever. We have not. I'm not saying that it's not safe to do in a reasonable way, but but let's just, let's move past thinking that, the majority of time breast implants have been an option for women. They have not. This is an artifice. And uh, we need to recognize that um, breast implants have medical issues, right? There's breast implant illness. There's breast implant associated cancers. So important for women who are in patients who are facing the decision for mastectomy or thinking about reconstruction, I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, think about the risk that you're willing to assume as part of your reconstruction. So many patients would say, I will not accept any additional risk of a cancer in my reconstruction. And that to me is simply enough reason to have an option other than implants, period.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense, especially, you know, for for those that are that have had a, that have chosen to have a mastectomy to prevent illness. I mean, then to say, well, you know, but this this could cause. You could also get. It's like, it's just wild. And I know, but people don't. I don't think every plastic surgeon is telling their patient that. Oh, no,
1: they're not.
0: I can say from my perspective, I did not hear it once. And it's taken me be being in this job and be doing these podcasts to really realize how uninformed I was when I did what I went through my journey. So I think it's amazing that you're talking about this.
1: It's, um, it's not that you were uninformed. Honestly, I think that for a lot of the reality is that a lot of that information was is withheld and was withheld from patients. And I'll tell you that when the recall initially happened um, for breast implants and breast implant associated lymphoma, I spoke out um, publicly and said that I felt that my patients who were having risk-reducing mastectomies or mastectomies to, rem- to remove a breast cancer should be offered the option or should be counseled about the risk of breast cancer implant associated lymphoma if they had textured implants. And I said, I went further. I said, I think that we should be removing those implants. If patients having considered that risk want them removed. And I got, I'll, I'll, I'll say harassed by leadership in the American society of plastic surgeons. And this was in 2019 for saying that, right? So, and I'm a, I'm an MD Anderson top program um, micro fellowship, I did the UT Southwestern top program in the country for plastics. I, I mean, I'm a Princeton grad, like I'm, I'm, a smart lady. And I was getting harassed for defending my patients now, not, not by everybody, but by leaders I heard that you heard the pushback. I heard it and, um, and it just is fuel to the fire. So for me, as someone who does breast reconstruction, we need choice. Women need to be able to choose to have reconstruction using their own tissue. They want surgeries that last a lifetime, that involve a foreign body. And then there's also really, there's the clinical issue, right? So when someone needs to have radiation as part of their treatment, implants and radiation do not mix well, regardless of the fact that there are lots and lots of women out there with radiated implants. That's not a great idea. And when I was in training at MD Anderson, we would not offer that unless we had absolutely no other options. And that is still the case. Radiated implants have an extremely high complication rate, an extremely high failure rate, and never counsel a patient that that's a good idea if we have another option. So simply for the vast number of women who need to have radiation as part of their treatment, we need a clinically superior outcome with natural tissue reconstruction. So it's not just choice, it's also health.
0: Can you, I want to get back into just... The new CMS, or you know, the reversal decision. Can you talk about that a little more? Because I think that's amazing.
1: It is amazing, and I'll, I'll tell you. So CMS really was the agency that stepped up and took action here to reverse the course. And I, I want to make it pretty clear here that CMS wasn't the organization that initially set us on this path. Right. Initially, CMS approved S codes. They they created. They created them in response to a request and maintained them. And it wasn't until the American Medical Association and like our societies, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons and and others, you know, had had dealt with this other set of codes, which are called CPT codes. And they were trying to be do their due diligence with their codes and simplify them. And there was some discussion over the last decade of whether breast reconstruction should all be fit under, under one code. And the AMA and ASPS really came down on the side of saying, it's really all the same. We really just need that one code. So that's where this came from. This didn't come from CMS. Once, once AMA approved a new definition of the CPT code that really clearly stated deep flaps are the same thing as tram flaps, So removing muscle and saving muscle are the same. Once they said that, CMS then said, okay, well, if that's what you guys have said, then Blue Cross Blue Shield, which has asked us to remove the S codes, because there's this other code that the AMA and the American Society of Plastic Surgeons says is the one we should use, we'll sunset it. We'll let it go away. They They didn't actively seek that out, but they said, okay, in response to what you guys have done, if that's what you think, societies, if that's what you think, AMA, then, then we will go along with what you're saying and we'll remove this code. And that's where the problems really set in. But thankfully CMS was willing to, to consider how they were, how removing those codes was gonna remove access for patients around the country and how they also had the power to reinstate the code. So even though AMA and our society still have the other code and that code still is confusing, CMS said, we recognize after hearing from patients and doctors, we recognize that deleting this code has caused a crisis in access, and that is not our intention. And since this thing is in our power at CMS, we will do this thing to help patients. We still have more to get more to do because that confusing code still exists out there. But um, I was, I can't tell you what it's like to to see that kind of a decision evolve over a year.
0: I, I mean, that's it's amazing. But I really, as a last question, want to say, do you think there are further steps that need to be taken to make sure there's equitable access to deep flap and other specialized surgeries that don't include implants?
1: Absolutely. So I think um, let me, I can spell them out really clearly. We need we need an update to the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. So that act, which I would prefer, we call the Patient's Health and Cancer Rights Act. We need to protect specifically access to all types of reconstruction. That includes these muscle-saving reconstructions. And we need to protect access to aesthetic flat closures as well. So those are two glaring absences in that act. We also need to ensure that patients' are required to be counseled adequately regarding their options. So have some requirement for informed consent documented in the medical chart before someone has breast reconstruction. And I would say honestly, that we should really refer to that as chest wall reconstruction, because a lot of patients don't want their breast reconstruction, but they wanna look as pretty as possible or smooth as possible. So that's number one, update that. Number two is that we really do need for that, that CPT-19364, that had an editorial change to add deep flaps and equate those with tram flaps and old time flaps. We need that code to get revised. We need for them to undo that. And that's not CMS, that's the American Medical Association. They need to recognize that this hurts women and do the right thing. And then we need for private payers, for the insurance companies to to act honorably and reimburse appropriately across the country, equitably and appropriately, for this reconstruction. There's No one is blameless here. There are doctors out there charging $100,000, $200,000 for deep flap surgery, and that's highway robbery. At the same time, there are insurance companies that only want to pay me $2,000 to do that surgery, and that's highway robbery. So we have to be reasonable adults, recognize that the doctors and the insurance companies are not the most important part of this equation, the patients are. So let's come up with a reasonable reimbursement for this surgery and set that as the new benchmark so that nobody's getting taken advantage of, especially
0: patients. I think you summed it up perfectly. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Potter. You are amazing and I really appreciate this conversation. Awesome, thanks for having me. As always, thank you for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the Plastic Surgery Practice podcast to keep up with the latest episodes. And also please check out PlasticSurgeryPractice.com for the latest industry news.